Welcome back from the holidays, you loftus party nuts. This is the Liberty Gypsy because Michael is lost somewhere in the wilds of Ohio. Could be buried in a snowbank. We're really not sure. However, because he's without the internet, wherever he happens to be, we're going to provide you this week with a redux of a couple of our favorite interviews that you haven't heard in a while. First, of course, is Dana Perino, one of my personal favorites because she calls me the one that keeps it all together here. Then Chad Prather, who is rumored to be running for governor of Texas, maybe at some point in time, and Fox News host Pete Hegseth. So we hope you enjoy, and we will be back next week to find out what we actually liked about 2020 and what we're looking forward to in 2021. So have a great New Year's, y'all. See you later. Welcome back, everybody. We're very happy. It's a big, big day here at the Loftus Party Podcast. Uh, on the other end of the interwebs is is Dana Perino. You know her from the Daily Briefing, but you probably know her from The Five when they have a guest host like like yours truly. Dana, are you there? I'm here. Believe it or not, I figured out how to get on Skype. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So already today... I don't understand why is Skype better than a phone? Well, I th- there's a couple of reasons. This is what they claim. It used to be fantastic. Skype used to be wonderful, uh, and you could do, you can do video chats. And now I think Microsoft bought it, so they want to sell you like a subscription. So I think they kind of dial down the service. You can still do videos, and you and they they do have a built-in uh, recorder. Like you can record videos. That's and- right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, the recording is yeah. better. Yep. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get caught up with you. My first question, do you have a dog? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not only do I have a dog, I have America's dog. I think you do. I think but you do. do you know why he's called America's dog? No, please tell me. So I have a dog named Jasper. It's a Vishla. Really? Do you ever take photos? Do you ever take pictures? Listen, <laughs> I'm assuming that you're going to get some new listeners for this podcast, and they might not know. Okay. You're very wise. So, very wise. Yes. So Jasper is a bishla. Um, he is super cute, lots of personality. The reason I call him America's dog is not because I'm super arrogant and think that he's the best dog in America. It's because years ago on Red Eye with Greg Gutfeld, he had asked me about this um, actress who was mad that the paparazzi were taking pictures of her little dog and she was going to sue them. And Greg said, Dana, you would never get mad about that and I said no I want to share my dog with everybody and even if they don't have a dog they can think of Jasper as theirs Jasper can be America's dog and that's how it started okay so all joking aside and I I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're you're insanely busy you're in New Hampshire now yeah yeah it's a beautiful oh I love it here okay so you're also a good liar (laughs) isn't it cold (laughs) it's cold but it's a dry cold and there's snow on the ground. We're at the beautiful Bedford Village Inn, which is not like the restaurant, the Village Inn, even though I love a Village Inn. Do you guys know Village Inn? The, the Village Inn, isn't that an L.A. thing? Well, I grew up in Colorado, and it was there in Colorado, too. It's like It was like a better than Denny's type of place. Not quite it, Perkins. It, right, but it was right up there with, with Hojo, with Howard Johnson's. It was like the Village yeah. Inn. Exactly. was like a classier version 
of of Howard Johnson's. Okay, so so what's what's the vibe? Here's what I want to know. Okay, so Iowa was was a complete disaster. That that was a, a a complete and total disaster. What is the vibe in New Hampshire? I'm sure you talked about this with uh, Chris Wallace this morning. I have it. I have a DVR. I'm going to watch it later. But who's who's um, going to who's going to win? I want predictions. I think that you have to say that Bernie Sanders is the most likely to win. He beat um, Hillary Clinton by 20 points. Ow. In um, but he's not going to win by that much this time because the field is still very fractured. But I think you'd have to say he's likely to win, but that Mayor Pete Buttigieg will be within five to six points of his lead. And the, okay. the Buttigieg people have already said they'll consider that a win since Sanders had such a strong uh, base here the last time. Um, yeah. Joe Biden... I get I just I get the sense and the feeling that he's flailing, and yeah. that he's like a zombie candidate. He's yeah. dead, but he just doesn't know it yet. Yes, yes. Elizabeth I see Warren. the ad he put out on Pete Buttigieg earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was so sad. Dave is like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I would be the one that would never campaign negatively. But in order to survive, he has to do this. But then it just feels very discordant. And it doesn't look like a national front runner who is not worried about competition. And again, I think that Biden won't do well here. His fundraising is already falling off. I don't Ooh. know. I mean, I think that he wants to stay in through South Carolina but I also wonder if he's just going to be able to make it there just financially. They're flailing. The other person that you're not hearing from is uh, Elizabeth Warren. And I think it's because she came in third. So if you're the first and the second, that's exciting. You get a little bump yeah. from that. If you're last, everyone talks about how you are terrible. But if you're third, it's like, oh, well... You know, the bronze. Nobody wants the bronze. Nobody. How, how bad do you think that little stunt she pulled with the hot mic at the debate actually hurt her? I think that it. I think she was never going to really do better than third. But I do think, just based on some anecdotal evidence of people talking about it, that they thought that she was lying and that Bernie Sanders was not. Now, I will tell you this. I've also heard that a lot of Democratic women are very, very mad. And they really getting the short end of the stick and that Amy Klobuchar, who actually had, of all of her debates, had her best debate performance on Friday night, the, the weekend going into the New Hampshire primary. So she's on the move at the right time. Um, talked to a AP reporter today who said that at three events yesterday, everybody was talking about Amy Klobuchar. But I think we all know that that's not going to light a match. No. I, I, I think of all of this in entertainment. How does this entertain me? I want I want Elizabeth Warren to stick around a little while longer because I love uh, Kate McKinnon's impression of her on SNL. It's just too hilarious. It's just too funny. Although SNL last night had uh, Rachel Dratch as Amy Klobuchar. And I think there's some gold to be had there. I think there could be, because Amy Klobuchar kind of reminds me of that wah, wah, wah character. 
But then yeah. Rachel scratched it on, on SNL. Here's, I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to call it right now. Are you ready for this? Uh, yeah. Biden goes bye-bye very soon. I think yeah. I think New Hampshire is going to be a disaster for him. I think it's going to be Mike Bloomberg in my bones. I feel it's going to be Mike Bloomberg. That's I, what a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are talking about it. How how just ridiculous is the Democrat nominating older white billionaire as their nominee? Former Republican. Uh, former Republican. Well, I mean Elizabeth Warren was too, to be fair. But yeah, I true. mean, I mean. Like, when you look at all of the rhetoric in all of the debates and how billionaires are bad, if that actually happens, that's comedy gold in and of itself. Yeah, I, I asked a question this morning. Will a lonely Democratic Party turn its eyes to Michael Bloomberg? <laughs> and I Someone should it. set that to music. Like They can definitely spend a ton of money. It's more than the ads, though. I got a little tip from someone Ooh. over there in his campaign. I'll share it with you. Bring it. I can hear the papers. Now, yeah, this I is papers. when I know you're serious. This is I know you're serious because I hear papers going. So you know that he's spending a bunch on ads. Okay, that's something. He already has 2,100 staff. Really? They in, yes. There are 400 at the headquarters. 400 people at the headquarters. 1,700 in the states. Um, they're in all of the Super Tuesday states, which is a ton, ton. Um, they have 40 or more staff in 18 states. Wow. They've had 1 million voter conversations. And they're out there talking to all sorts of people who are watching the Democrats flail around like a fish out of water and thinking, well, gosh, maybe Michael Bloomberg is the one that's going to save us. The thing is, it's kind of like... I'm going to try this analogy out on you guys because I don't know if I could do it on Fox News and, you, and, pull, okay. and pull it off. You can totally do it. I have so much faith in you. It's stupid. I sort of feel like, to Stacey's point, if the Democrats decide that they are going to go to the dance with Michael Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. So far, you're crushing it. They might just decide to go ahead and get married to the older man because he's got the money and it's safe. And he says he'll take care of you. And you're not worried about him cheating on you. <laughs> and I love it. It's like an older man with like a younger, hot babe that becomes his wife. Yes. I just find it hard to imagine that the Bernie bros are going to be like, yeah, Bloomberg, four more years. Woo, I can't no say that at all. Well, listen, they're they're going to be mad anyway. They're going to be the best friend who just hates the new girl. I'm running with your metaphor. I think it's a great metaphor. <laughs> and I think it, it's too far. I've said this before on, on this show, which I know you're a fan and you record all the episodes. Love, I love your podcast. I love it. <laughs> it's, this is the, I think, probably the end of the Democrat Party. You're, you're going to have a big split. I think Bernie... Uh, when it doesn't work out for him, and it can't. It you should. Do you watch Chris Matthews at all? Chris Matthews on MSNBC is losing his mind over the idea of Bernie. You know so, what? I've been, you know what you should do for your podcast? What you should you should print the Vox dot com, not Fox, but Vox with a V dot com interview with James Carville, and you should read it aloud as a dramatic interpretation. <laughs> That's a. Did, because James's wasn't dramatic enough. 
He, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I weigh so, 78 pounds. I'm James Carvel. He destroyed the Democratic Party. And a friend of mine that's a Democrat today said, I said, what are the Dems going to do? And he said, they will appear to hang together, but will absolutely hang apart. I, but I mean, for anybody who's been watching, I wrote this um, for one of the places I write back in November brag. of 2018. I got to throw a flag on the play for the giant humble brags, Stacey. Well, no. All I said was, I think the freshmen are going to give the headmistress a headache. And I was talking about AOC showing up in Nancy Pelosi's office. Like For yeah. anybody that's been watching and knows that the that the... Just as Democrats are primarying like over a hundred people nationwide, AOC is not giving any of her fundraising to the Democratic Party or re-election committees. Like that fissure is so obvious if people just pay a little bit of attention. Well, my husband is British and also the smartest person I know, like the wisest person I know. And what that the could be that- the accent. That could be the accent. It's so true. <laughs> sometimes you can tell he's just bsing and you're like it's just because of the accent you sound like a colonialist right so smart i'm like i'm not buying it <laughs> but he said that it's like the democratic party is learning all of the wrong uh lessons from the labor party in the uk yeah he, he said they are always telling people what they need rather than asking them, what do you want? And I don't see beyond like Bernie's 12% of Americans who really want socialism, there isn't a clamor for that. What people have said is that they want a return to normal. But a return to normal doesn't mean like a wholesale changing of like destroying the capitalist system. They just want him to stop tweeting. And and then I'm, I'm over here, I love the tweets. I really, really love no, the yeah, tweets. I mean, there's certainly a constituency for the tweets, and they love it. And I know a lot of people do. But you know what I mean? Like, the Democrats are saying, just give me something normal. And Bernie yes. Sanders is not it. Amy Klobuchar might be it. But you also have to have some pep in your step. Well, yeah. You might start throwing binders at people. Well, I, I think that there's a fundamental disconnect with, uh, and, I, and this is maybe just me thinking uh, the worst of people. I'll, I'll try to use an English accent so it sounds believable. Um, I, I think that there's a large segment of the younger population that has no idea that it's their tax dollars that fund the government. They believe that the government just has all this money. Why don't they give me things? And you're like, hey, you stooge. That's your money. I really don't think they, they just think that Wait, the government Michael has a big. Loftus, you should have like a separate podcast that you just like make up somebody and be that character. <laughs> it's really good. I thank you. We've I interviewed will. his impressions before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a silly, silly person, but I, I, I really think that that's what it is. So uh, here's the other big story. And I want to get your take on this before we let you get back to New Hampshire and hanging out with the cool kids like Chris Wallace. What's he doing now? Is Are you going to meet up with Chris at the Starbucks later? You know what? I um, I stayed behind to do this podcast, so I'm on my own for a few hours. Oh, so I ruined your day. No, it actually worked out. No, it actually worked out perfectly. Thank you, got you very a, much. You had, a good ex- you had a good excuse to ditch Chris Wallace. Sorry, Chris. No. Can't get the Starbucks. I know you love I Burger King, Chris. Wallace, Chris. I dished Vaughn. 
Oh, okay. Now, now, they're, now we're starting a, a tiff. Okay, so here's my my. Uh, this is the other big insight, and it makes me feel smart to say this. Uh, the, what the expectations of how many people they thought would participate in Iowa? They thought it was going to be bigger than 2008. They thought it was going to. I think it was like I want to say 240,000 Democrats participated in that caucus. This one was down like in the 170s, 170. It was there's there's not the enthusiasm that they think there is. That makes me happy. There's not the Obama. No. Right. And also, you know, it seems like I, I wish for everybody to be able to live their life following their heart. Right. That's like you're like, oh, it'd be so nice if we could all just follow our hearts. But yes. we also have to be sensible. So we follow our head and we tell our heart. We're trying to do what you want to do, but we have to like pay the bills, so we have to be sensible. Now, what the, what the Democrats are just tying themselves up in knots in is that instead of just saying, I believe in this person, I am going to support this person, they're constantly asking themselves, can this person beat Donald Trump? And they are never getting to a satisfactory answer, except for if you're like all in on Bernie. Yes. Everyone else is like hedging a little bit. And, and truthfully, if... If Biden doesn't do well, does that mean that the lane for the moderate voter is in with Pete Buttigieg? And I got to tell you, his record's not that moderate. Like, if you want to abolish the Electoral College, again, that's not a return to normal. Yeah, it, it really court. isn't. But I think you're right. I think that the that Pete, I think Pete Buttigieg would pick up all the Biden people and then he can always he can always tack right. You know, I don't to, think I don't think so. I don't Well, I don't know. Actually. A lot of the Obama people um, like Mayor Pete. Oh, by the way, today um, when I was going up the stairs to get hair and makeup, the candidate, Mayor Pete, was coming down the stairs to do his interview with Chris Wallace. And I've no never way. met him. No, I've, ne oh. so I've never met him. I would like to okay. meet him, but I never met him. And I'm pretty deferential. You know, I still like to call people Mr. Mrs., like especially on first meeting or reference. Yes. And I see him and I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize he was coming down the stairs. And instead of saying, hello, Mr. Buttigieg or Mayor Buttigieg, I said, oh, hey, Mayor Pete. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's an interesting generational thing, right? Like, Democrats need a disruptor. They don't like to just do safe things. It doesn't work for them. Hillary, Gore. Yeah. They're 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 all uh, robot. They're all robot. What was his reaction to when you delightfully called him Hey Mayor Pete? He said, Hi, how are you doing? Like, That's great. <laughs> yeah, he knows what's up. He knows but how to he, play the political game. I mean, his polling even after Iowa with minority voters has not gone anywhere. No. They're not buying it. You know who I'm at gonna all. See? I'm gonna see um Donna Brazil tomorrow. She'll tell yeah. me everything you need to know. She knows exactly what's going on, so I can't wait to see her. Okay, that's fine. Now you need to uh, make sure that Greg Gutfeld gets another cold or some kind of uh, not coronavirus. Don't give him that, but but get him just a little under the weather so I can have an excuse to come back and co-host the five. So you can give me the inside scoop on Donna Brazil. True. true. Oh, I love Donna Brazil. I'll tell you, I've been really good friends since two thousand five, since Hurricane Katrina. Um, <clears throat> Michael, you're a really good fill-in on the five. Oh. Um, and this is just uh, not to get too uh, sappy, but like that, I, I really, I'm, I've been in TV for a long time, but I'm, I'm always like in sitcoms or half hours, whatever. I've never been like live, live, like for an hour live. And that first day, 
the first day. I, I literally thought we would film it at four and then go <laughs> at five. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. So like I'm in the green room and I'm like, well, they're, they're cutting it close because <laughs> no one else is down here. And then like, no, no, we go at five. And I'm just, I, I tightened up my, my little, uh, my little butthole just said, whoa, this is scary. And, but you were fantastic. Everyone there was so extremely generous and I just remember you sitting there going, don't worry, I won't let anything happen. And I'm like, thank God for Dana Perino. Oh, I love having you. It was fun. Um, I, you know, I'm so proud of the five. We've been doing it nine years. No. No, yeah, you have ninth, not. We're in our ninth year now. And um, I think that our show just continues to get better. It evolves, of course. There's some different personalities that come along. But I think because of all this breaking news in the last six months, new viewers have tuned in and i think they're like oh this show's kind of fun we should it, watch this show it is and like someone told me because i was nervous like oh don't worry it's a, it's just like a conversation like a, around and i think that is and once again this is no bs uh there's enough conflict there and it's a free exchange of ideas and that's cool and no one is edited and no one is told you know don't say this don't say that which is fantastic but it reminds me i'm not even kidding of like a it's like a really good uh talk show that you would see at night you know it's like hey these people are just hanging out commenting there's something that's 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 wonderful about the relaxed nature of it uh and it just and it just looks so effortless and that's kind of like that, your podcast although i mean stacy really does carry you through this whole thing all right that's all the time we have <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great way to stick the dismount. Uh, Dana Perino, thank you so much. You're incredibly generous with your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, if I, if there's anything I can do for you, if I could like, if you ever need like a dog walker, something like that. Um. Yeah. You want to walk? You want to walk, Jasper? You know, you'll meet a lot of ladies if you do that. <laughs> I'm uh, okie doke. I mean, they'll, but they won't want to talk to me. They'll just go, oh, isn't that Jasper? Isn't that America's dog? And then I'll just be standing there like a, like a loser. <laughs> no, I think that people are like, oh, my gosh, do you know Dana? Oh, wow. Oh, people, wow. Recognize Jasper first, and then they'll look up and go, oh, my gosh, it is you. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. You now, you're still. Skit sometime and bring it, like, take him to Central Park. You won't believe all the le young ladies you'll meet. Let's do it. I'll I'll do little interviews for the daily ladies. briefing. Now, when does now, when do new episodes of your podcast come out? Every Wednesday, but we are going to record a special one tonight. Oh, uh, and where we're going to be asking, what do millennials want to understand about the election? That's awesome. That's great. I want. I I need to meet meet uh, that Chris Steyerwalt fella. He seems yeah, like a he's, good. Name. He, he's great. He's great. He's from West Virginia, yeah? Yeah, baby. There you go. That's where I got He's I got, got a whole bunch of hillbilly there. bullshit to throw your way. You should do your uh, podcast sometime. Absolutely. Hook a brother up. Uh, where's because uh, I have I have family in West Virginia. I have family all over uh Elkins and Huntington and uh I got I got West Virginia in my blood. So Everyone needs to uh, watch The Five, because they already are. This is just stupid, but it makes me feel professional. They need to watch The Daily Briefing, and they need to listen to your podcast uh, with, with Chris Starwell. Sorry, I have to tell them one second, because <laughs> I need my room clean. <laughs> this is perfect. Go. Get your room clean. Jason Let housekeeping in. All right. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. 
but I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! We're very happy to have our next guest here. He, you've seen him. He's, he's all over Facebook. He's all over the United States of America. He's all over the blaze. The one and only Chad Frather. Chad, how's it going, man? Crowd goes wild. Hey, buddy. Hey, well, voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to actually talk to you and not just listen to the show or see you on video. Um, what I'm trying to say is I miss you, Michael. I miss I, you. You know what? Right back at you. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here. I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. Uh, I'm, I've been so jealous. I've been so jealous. You were at the, uh, the, the Mount Rushmore, uh, yeah. big gig, the big, the t- they brought the, uh, fireworks back. I saw you out there and I'm like, man, that's gotta be great. And you've been out, was- you've been out doing shows too. Been out doing shows, dude. I got a, I got a, um, a real patriot boner at the, uh, at the <laughs> Trump thing. Does it because get bigger? <laughs> I took a mag of Viagra, baby. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Michael. That so. First of all, let me just tell you, Trump is so cool, right? He's so cool because they come in that you can see Air Force One on the big screen, and you know he's going to do a flyby at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You know, so here comes here. Here it comes. They're playing ACDC's Thunderstruck, which you have to over the loudspeakers. And here comes Air Force One, all blue, white, majestic flying past, uh, you know, Lincoln and Roosevelt and Jefferson and Washington. The plane's upside down. Donnie T's hanging out, pumping his fist. The hair hasn't <laughs> moved. It's amazing, dude. So I'm telling you, I, a tear came to my eye, and I got, and I, and I took a little uh, patriot boner. Absolutely, it's I can't imagine. I've just been out to Mount Rushmore. I've driven across the country my fair share of times. Stopped by Devil's Tower. That's amazing. Stopped by Mount Rushmore. It's it's insane. I can't imagine taking it to that next level of fireworks and then Air Force One and all that stuff. So I was insane. It, it was jealous. honestly. It was honestly a bucket list item that I didn't know I had, and it was so amazing that I'm thinking I, I never thought I would see something this amazing with the fireworks there. And, you know, Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, is doing a fantastic job, and it kind of irritates me because, you know, these days everybody keeps saying that Texas needs to be more like South Dakota. And I'm like, look, South Dakota doesn't put their flag on women's bikinis. South Dakota doesn't have its own toast. South Dakota <laughs> waffle iron in the shape of the state we're texas by god so stop comparing us but she's doing a fantastic job man she's kept that state open and it's it's pretty exciting place to be right now 
That was a pretty boss move on her part. It was a pretty boss move when she's like, yeah, we don't need the unemployment help. We're good. Like the, She's like, you can, you can keep your money. It's like somebody's trying to tip you and you're like, no, no, I'm good. Trust me, I'm fine. Yeah, dude, she's a she's a strong lady. I mean, she's a strong lady, and uh, and takes takes no uh, takes no sass off of anybody. She really doesn't. I dig it. I dig it. Now, I, there's so I got so many questions for you because I, I you and I were doing shows together, an absolute blast, and we're gonna do we're gonna do more of those. That that oh, yeah. more of that needs to happen. That sure. needs to happen. We had a great time. I first saw you on uh, Facebook uh, uh, years ago with the uh, unapologetically Southern clip. Which, if you guys haven't seen that, go back and watch that. Which is that? Is that like your uh, your your flag on Iwo Jima? Do you think that's the one where that was just like your big come out? Yeah, uh, in, inadvertently, I'll put it that way. Uh, it was not the one that I thought was the biggest or was going to be the biggest, but it, it became known as, and so I, I don't apologize, you know, it's unapologetic. I don't apologize for it. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it because it was really just a spur of the moment video that I did. Yeah. Back when things were heating up, you know, and the South was catching a lot of flack. And, and so I pulled in my driveway and, and popped that one off. And, and honestly it went crazy on YouTube. I didn't even know it had done it. Right. Uh, because I was so used to doing videos on Facebook that that would blow up several million. And then all of a sudden Fox news started calling me and I'm like, really? That's the video. That's, that's the one that isn't that hilarious. Yeah. So it's what, crazy. Now, hold up, hold up. Which one did you think was going to be the one? What was the video? <laughs> I love this. What was the one you did? And you thought, Oh, that's it right there. That's a million yeah. clicks, bitch. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I did one about, people stomping on the flag and burning the flag and I made a mistake in it. And so this thing blew up in the millions. I pissed off the Marines. Uh, I did a video about, I said, if you, if you want to burn the flag or step on the flag, why don't you go and find a platoon of Marines coming back from deployment, rip one of those Velcro patches off and throw it on the ground in front of them. Well, the Marines don't have Velcro patches. First of all, it's so, I was I was headed into the gym. I came out. This thing was at two million after just working out for an hour and a half in the gym. I come back out. The thing's at two million views. So there were videos like that that just went insane that I thought would be bigger. Right. Uh, and, there, you know, there's a handful of them out there that I thought were going to be bigger than that one. But, yeah, that, um, you know, I that there's certain videos out there that if you count views on different social platforms that are in the hundreds of millions of views. So it's insane. You can't do that now. I mean, you, Facebook and, and social media has changed so much. The censorship is so real. Yeah. That had I not done that six years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, it just wouldn't be done. People ask me all the time now, how do you do it? How do you do it? And you know, it's it's like you just can't get those kind of numbers anymore. It's insane. It's too funny. Like you can you can go back and track. You're like, okay, they don't know. They don't. They're not on me here. Right. It's yeah. just it's an organic thing. People are sharing, and then you you can actually pinpoint the moment. You're like, uh oh, somebody woke up and they dialed me back down. <laughs> That's exactly That's it. But man, uh, yeah, I saw that uh, Candace Owens is now suing Facebook for censorship. So I, I wish her all the luck in the world. 
Um, okay, so I want to I want to ask you this. Then we got to talk about uh, the governor run. We got to talk about the RNC and and your thoughts about the the Democrat convention. I'm guessing that back in 2016 that that Trump wasn't your guy. You're one of these like like me going in end of any 20 end of 2015 beginning of 2016. Trump was not my dude. I found myself on the Trump train. Now I find myself up with the engineer saying we need some we need some more coal in this engine. <laughs> yeah. I, as you say, I had one of those skadoosh moments where I was like, okay, it all makes sense now. Uh, because I said back in 2015, trying to figure out which candidate to vote for is like trying to figure out which venereal disease you're most okay living with for the next four to eight years. Yeah. So- so I didn't understand Trump and that it, it, it's almost like finding Jesus, right? Like I don't <laughs> understand this religion. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, the logic doesn't fit. Not when you've got a guy like Ted Cruz who, uh, he, Ted doesn't have the personality, but he's probably one of the top five smartest guys on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, my mother would say, you got to vote for Trump. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. I wonder what's the guy saying. And then all of a sudden you see the light and it makes sense. And it's like, oh, I get it. Because let's face it, nobody could put up with what he's put up with. If they would just let the man do his job. Instead, what they do is they try to keep him talking, keep him talking, because let's face it, he's going to put his foot in his mouth. And that's just the way he is. Yeah. And he's unapologetic about it. Uh, so that's their ploy to keep him talking. But I'm with you. He, th- we are we are within uh, 60 days to four years of this country being fundamentally, absolutely, unrecognizably changed. Trump has got to get reelected. And then in 24, God only knows what's going to happen because uh, fundamental change is on the way at some point in time. I'm talking like fall of Rome type proportions for America. I'm right there with you. I'm if, right there with you. If, if patriots don't rise up, speak up, do what they need to do, put their money where their mouth is, step in and take over, we're in bad trouble. And dude, this is why, like earlier when we were talking i'm like yeah we did some shows together we got to do those again we got to do that but i really think that's where it is like live shows you go out there you're making people laugh you're making sense you bring out your guitar we have fun people are drinking and they're having a good time and and no bullshit this is complete and total honesty that is the future and that's what i'm trying to do uh, you know, at the Loftus parties, like who would you want to? Who do you want to hang out with? Someone who's going to go, oh, you weren't kind to that person in the wheelchair. Oh, you you did, did it. Or some people who are just singing, laughing, slinging jokes, having a good time, and going, hey, we are free, and we want to keep it that way. I really think uh, it's it's the pop culture part of it. Okay, uh, but enough. Just say on that, Michael, because you're right. That you know, comedy is the last bastion of free speech, and it's under attack. Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, those guys, they went to jail for what we do today. Yeah. They went to jail for it. And and for us to be able to get up there and do comedy, it's like a mini rally. And that you're right, 100%. That's where it's got to stay. I Because I, it, it seems abundantly clear to me 
that they want to peel off people on the right. They, they, they want to make you feel alone. They want to make you feel isolated, like somehow you must not be very smart. You know, you're voting for the wrong candidate. And just people who are out there on the forefront who, who aren't, we don't have sticks on our ass. We know how to have a good time and just have that party atmosphere. That, that's what it's all about. Okay, uh, we got to get to this, man. Uh, your show on the the blaze when did you when did you get over uh, and start hanging out with glenn beck and doing your show over there yeah i hate that guy the uh (laughs) i'm so jealous of him dude when 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 i came in and did your show and and we were over the studio and i saw all his star wars stuff oh my lord yeah he's he's quite the collector man uh, no, I, I was with CRTV. We went back and forth for about six months trying to figure out what would go in my schedule and what would work. And so CRTV, which had been Levin TV, yeah. uh, you know, so I came on with them and two days after signing a contract with them, they called me on the phone and said, Oh, we merged with the blaze. So now we're with Glenn Beck. And I'm like, WTF dude, I'm like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? And I, you know, but Glenn's never been anything but gracious to me. Uh, he doesn't live on the same planet we do. Uh, the guy's brain works in an ethereal place. I, it's just weird. Uh, he's It's orbiting the planet somewhere. And uh, it's always been good. And they have taken so much good care of me over the last two years, man. Uh, the studio we've got, you've been in it. It's second yeah. to fun. It's gorgeous. I mean, they give me free reign to run my mouth and say what I want to say. Uh, and, and it's just been a blast and that has been a savior for me in a big way because social media being what it is, as we talked about earlier, it gives me another platform that's a large platform and it puts me in a family of people where we can kind of network together and getting information out there. So that's a, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. Now, well, first of all, we gotta, we gotta get Glenn out to a show. We need, we need to do some shows in Dallas. We gotta get. Glenn Beck on stage. I want to. <laughs> I want to hear what his old act was like. Now, this is where this is. Uh, well, he used to be a stand-up, yeah, yeah. a million years yeah. ago. Yeah. I oh, mean, I want. I want him to dust off the old notebooks and bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Glenn's Glenn's fantastic, man. He is. You can. He's he's a he's a gifted gifted dude. Now, here's the here's the fly the fly in the ointment. Uh, I know you're running for governor in Texas, right? You're 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 doing yeah. this. You have, you have committed to this. Won't the won't the radio show get in the way? Won't the live shows get in the way? Aren't there like equal oh, there's time? No there's no question about it. I mean, you know, if 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 this thing gets really on the rails, we've got pro- we've got another year before we have to declare anything. Um, right now, my main goal is to get the the red seats uh, gained and retained come this November in Texas because it's getting very purplish. Yeah, uh, we have a huge influx of Californians that are coming in. They don't know how to vote. It's not that they're bad people; they just don't know how to vote, and they don't know how to speak up, and they don't know how to to, to have a backbone because they've never been allowed to in California. And this is by God, Texas. So, uh, you know, we're focused on this election coming up and I started a, I started a pack. I started a keep Texas great pack. And so we're raising money to try to help get these guys reelected. 
I was in Mount Rushmore when the mask mandate, uh, I was at Mount Rushmore when the mask mandate came down. I was with uh, Don Jr. And I just had an extra glass of wine and I'm sitting there going, you know what? I'm sick of this. And I jumped on Twitter and said, that's it. I'm running for governor of Texas. And I had no <laughs> idea how big it was going to blow up. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a pay cut. I can tell you that it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, it's a very big limitation of my own personal freedom to be able to do a lot of things because, you know, I've already been dropped from a couple of boards that I was on, uh, that served the veteran community because you can't, you can't have a political leaning and be on these boards. Right. So, right. uh, anyway, that's, it's, it's sort of been interesting to watch the support that's there. Some of the, look, Look, dude, I, I've lived a rock star life. You know this. I, I've, I've. People say you got skeletons in your closet. I'm like, no, nah, the closet burned down a long time ago. <laughs> skeletons are out walking around in the front yard, dude. Uh, we just, we just own that. But at the end of the day, I'm a patriot. I'm a conservative. I love this country. I love this state. And I loved Greg Abbott. I, I still love Greg Abbott. I, I like the man. I don't know what the hell is going on in his head right now. It's just insane. I mean, he just came out with a new mandate wanting people to wear their masks in their homes in the state of Texas. No, and, he didn't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, this is just insanity at this point. Uh, so uh, there's some there's some there's some folks out there that may throw their hat in the ring uh, for governor. And yeah. I've talked with them. Uh, I would be excited if they did that. Um, but I'm going to stay in this thing and run for real. I'm going to have the conversations that need to be had. And, you know, if it comes down to it that people actually want to vote for me, then they vote for me. But if I can yeah. talk them out of it, I will, because I promise you, uh, I'm going to run on a hard conservative platform that is all about personal liberty and personal responsibility. Because we got to be free, man. We have got to have freedom. And so goes Texas. So goes the nation, man. And, and so to the degree that we can embrace liberty, I think we're going to see it in America because we are at a we're at a crucial crux in this moment of history for America. It, we, we really are. And it's it's too funny. Well, it's not funny, but ironic, I guess I should say. Uh, years ago, I had a sit down. I was interviewing uh, Ann Coulter and say what you will about Ann. I, I sure. thoroughly enjoy her company. She is smart. She's hilarious. But she, she was saying back in uh, 2015 that it's just a numbers game. It's just a numbers game and it's a matter of time. And if you get if you have Pelosi and the crew in, in Congress and then you have Joe Biden, who who is he's a puppet, he'll do whatever they want. They'll, yeah. they'll give amnesty to everybody, and then there'll just be so many Democrats, it won't matter. It won't matter what great ideas we have on the right. It, it'll just be a numbers game, uh, and then we're really, really screwed. So that's to me, that's what makes, like you're saying, it's a tipping point. We are at a tipping point, and, yeah. and we need guys like like uh, you and me and, and, and Hainer and... Uh, anyone else like in the entertainment business just to be like, hey, we're having a good time. Listen, in, in the war of ideas, in the battle of ideas, the, the deck is stacked in our favor. It's stacked. It's the only way to go. Well, All and, right, and, you man. People, and you have people who know how to communicate and you just list it off. You know, guys like yourself, guys like Brian Hayner know how to communicate. And, and that that's what I'm calling on people to do is speak up. 
and, yeah. and learn to debate and, and don't go on the defensive, go on the attack, because that's where that's where the key is. You know, Andrew Breitbart said, uh, you know, years before he passed, he said, uh, don't you go on the attack. Don't let your opponent dictate the rules of the debate. You've got to go after them. And that's where we're living right now. Yeah. And it's crucial that people who have a voice, have a platform, have the, but I'm so tired of these pro athletes out here that I know are conservative, for instance, and they don't speak up, but yet you got these lefty crazies that are bowing down to China and kneeling for the flag and everything else that are out there. And I'm like, you guys got to speak up. You got to quit being wusses. You got to speak up. Yep. Before it's too late. Hey buddy, uh, where, where can people see you live next? Uh, we're headed to Liberty Township. Um, Ohio, outside of Cincinnati, in between Cincinnati and Dayton. We'll be there uh, this next weekend and uh, going to be there Friday, Saturday night. So we're back on the road, dude. I mean, we've been in we've been in eight cities and eight states in the last eight weeks. Man. So uh, we're back at it. I'm happy to see the clubs are opening up. But people can find my schedule at watchchad.com. And uh, we're, we're going at it. We're not slowing down. We're back on the road. We're, like I said, you know, uh, freedom is freedom. And if people want to wear a mask, wear a damn mask. If you don't, don't. Um, yeah, it's, it's time to move on with life. Dig it. Dig it. Well, hey, have great shows. I'm insanely jealous. I'll reach <laughs> out to you uh, via via text message. We're going to line up some more shows, hopefully Please. before the election and before you have to donate all your monies back to your uh, Chad for Governor Super PAC. <laughs> uh, I will talk to you soon, man. Be safe out there. Give Party Foul Steve my best. I sure will. I'll see you today. Man. I miss that little maniac. Tell him to get your guitar tuned up and get the band going. <laughs> I love it, dude. Appreciate you, man. Right. Stay strong out there, Michael. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, there's a there's a guy by the name of Pete Hegseth on the other line. Pete, how you doing? Michael, how are you? This feels odd. I'm not used to you asking the questions. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's turnabout. It is turnabout, and that is fair play. Now, did you have a show this morning? Because we're, we're, we're recording on a Sunday. We're being yeah. honest with our audience. 
Uh, you always are, Michael. Yes, we had a show this morning, a four-hour tour. Uh, it, sometimes it feels like it's never-ending, but yes. Okay, so uh, I know I know the story that's driving me crazy. We'll, we'll get into the news a little bit later. I, I, sure. I want to make sure that we talk about your book. I got to tell you, buddy, I did a little research. I did a little research, and, and I didn't realize this was your second book. I thought this was your first. I thought American Crusade was your big... Um, hello world. I'm an author. This is your second book. Yeah, Michael, you and the rest of the world had no idea. If, had first <laughs> <book>. <laughs> if uh, it, it sold uh, 80 copies. No, I'm just kidding. There, there was, it came out four years ago. And if you go to Amazon right now, the cost of a hard copy for my first book is like 90 bucks because there are none out there. Um, it was, yeah, the, the first one was, uh, a In true kind room. of experience expression of where I'm coming from and but I didn't have much of a platform on Fox Fox turns out helps and yeah. so this one did a little bit better that's that's fantastic now so so in the arena is your background of uh, your military army you've been you've bebopped all over the planet guy you yeah uh, yeah it's not I'm not audacious enough to think I should write a biography when I was 40, 35 years old. I leave that to Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was some of my story, but kind of where I was. And if you compare in the arena to American Crusade, it's kind of the conversion or adaptation a lot of conservatives have had in the world of Trump. So there are big, not big changes, but significant changes in tone in the two books. Yeah, I think we have kind of a similar, uh, and, and I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but in, in 2016, let's just say this: I didn't start out as a Trump guy back in 20 back in 2015 when things were starting to heat up. You know, I had buddies that were like, "Trump's the man. Trump is the man," and I was I was a little, but boy, I could be the conductor on the Trump train, right? right now. <laughs> I know. I think you and I have the the passion of converts. You know? Yeah. Just, just, Oftentimes converts to anything or, you know, you weren't there first, but then you had to work your way there. And that was me, too, man. And the book lays that out. I, the second chapter starts with, hi, my name is Pete Hexeth, and I was almost a never Trumper. Uh, yeah. And here and here's why, because I was fervent in sort of the establishment view. Who's this Trump guy? What's he talking about? You know, and, and as a as a Iraq war vet who is a big defender of that war, you know, he's 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 talking about what a disaster it was. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And I, and the book outlines uh, kind of the, our moment and how necessary we needed that, you know, break glass in case of war kind of guy who just yeah. cut through all the other stuff and put America first. So that yeah, I, it's a been, confessional. That had to have been like a, a tough one to get over. Cause I remember feeling that in the debates when, you know, when Trump went after uh, Bush for the war in Iraq and I'm like, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine. Like yeah, having but, served uh, over there and then having to be like, hey, I didn't waste my time. Yeah, exactly. You uh, you had to get past kind of the, you know, the, the way Trump talks about it. But then if you take a moment to step back and look at Iraq and Syria and the rise of ISIS, you kind of go, well, regardless of how well we executed and the courage people showed and the, the magnitude of the sacrifice, all of which are real. If, you know, if we had looked, if we had started in 2003 and said, what will Iraq look like in 2016, we wouldn't have wanted to look that way. And yeah. so you have to be honest about whether or not our involvement actually led to a good place. And at that moment, you know, the black flag of ISIS was flying and, and Obama was telling, calling it the JV team. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because the other night I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about it so much. I do the, I, I do a thing on stage where like uh, where Trump has come through with like everything he's promised. He came through and it's almost comedic, like how fast he whooped ISIS's ass. Like, yes. <laughs> right. And it, but it, like it's funny, but then it's scary because you're like, well, he did do that fast. Like what was Obama doing? So, in in your opinion, what's what's the difference between the Trump administration? Because I can re- listen, guy. I can remember like every other day thinking, "What's going to happen next?" Boy, they blew up that concert. Boy, they killed those people there. Yep. Boy, they drove a van through that crowd. You're worried all the time. And then Trump comes in; his hand isn't even off the Bible, and he's just like, "They're gone." Like, yeah, what was I, the difference? I mean, it, let the pit bull off the leash. I mean, I really you can't overestimate um, how the rules of engagement had been contorted, how much risk aversion was part of the Obama calculation, how our guys on the front lines were chomping at the bit to do what's necessary. But because of, you know, honestly, political correctness had so infected the military, you had to you had to kill ISIS in like the most compassionate possible way under, <laughs> un, under Obama. I don't As mean opposed to, laugh. to, you know, war is hell. And you're going to you got to you got to might meet ruthlessness with even more ruthlessness. And turns out our special operators do that real well if you let yeah. them do it. And and poof like that, um, you know, th- they took care of business the way we should have a long time ago. Yeah, I, that's that is where I have always stood like that's in my that's how we won the Revolutionary War, in, in my opinion. When I'm when I'm on stage, I'm like, we fought dirty. We fought dirty. We couldn't beat England in a fair fight. <laughs> so we put on our squirrel hats. We shot the generals and we ran. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's how our enemies fight us today. Like they don't play by rules at they- all. In fact, they use the rules against us. And then we, we look around saying, well, that's not how you're supposed to fight war. Well, it turns out, you know, our enemy doesn't have to play by the, the, the Western rules that we've laid out. And either we adapt to fight and, and, and kill them or we just sit around wondering why the enemy doesn't play nice. And, and, I, and we're not ready for that. I don't know if our political sensibilities, our, our culture here can handle that. And that's one of the things I write about in this book. That either you got to be there 100 years. Or you got to be willing to ferociously decimate the enemy, uh, and I don't know if we've got the gut for the first, for the second one at this point. Man, I'm I'm telling you, you have, ferociously decimate the the enemy. I just found out some stuff about Germany in World War II. You probably knew this. You're a smart guy. You're a Princeton man. You're a Harvard man. I, I uh, snuck in. <laughs> I'd love to talk. Did you hear about? Do you know about Pervitin in the in the Second World War? Oh, you're edumacating me now, man. No. Okay. So I'm watching the World War II in color last night. I apologize for the sidetrack. But, like, when when Germany is is doing the Blitzkrieg, because they, they went into Poland yep. and they kind of got bogged down a little bit. They were st- still doing old school. So when they just went pell-mell in, into France, France is like, it's going to take them two weeks. It's going to take them two weeks. But somehow the German infantry was able to keep going for days and days and days. Like they did in three and a half days what everyone thought it would take them two weeks. It turns out a, a, a big hunk of the German infantry was taking this drug called Pervitin, which is like the original crystal meth. And it, I, that's just terrifying to me. Like I'm already, I'm already scared of a regular Nazi. I don't need a, <laughs> a crystal meth Nazi. Well, you, you talk, I mean... 
You, you talk to guys who fought in Fallujah, uh, friends of mine and others, and elsewhere in Afghanistan. Those enemies were often high as 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 the uh, apparently the Blitzkrieg was. I mean, it is. Uh, it oftentimes our enemies do that. We we don't do that, but yeah. it, it it puts it to the point where I, I remember friends saying, "Hey, I put one, two, three, four bullets in these guys, and they kept coming." And wow. and it's because they're out of their mind. Uh, you know, we don't fight that way, but. Uh, it's we, the other thing that benefits us a lot, uh, Michael, is that a lot of these Islamists are really bad shots. Uh, they fire off a lot of bullets, uh, yeah. but they don't they don't do the aiming thing. Uh, and the, the good ones, the good ones do. And I don't mean to dismiss the enemy, uh, right. but you, our guys are so well trained that if you just breathe, uh, put your scope on somebody, you can you know one round's all you really need. It's um. It's it's such a great conversation. I want to talk about all this stuff, like like Black Hawk Down. Uh, I read that book, and then a buddy of mine in Hollywood was the guy who adapted it, you know, for the screen. Yep. And that that battle, that whole event, that was amazing. Like our, our men and women over there, that was an amazing defense. And you just see, it looks like the the enemy likes to just hold their rifle out and shoot blindly around corners. Uh, I don't even I don't even do that in video games. <laughs> I won't even do that in Call of Duty. Um, well, God bless your buddy who put that movie together because that was an inspiration for a lot of people. Like watching the heroism. I wish Hollywood would figure that out. Can you get on that, buddy? Because if you know patriotic movies turn out turns out they sell well because uh, people like to watch the good guys win. Uh, and when they're accurately depicted, they're motivating for a lot of people. Well, I think you touch on this in, in your book as well. And, and I'm, I'm all about the patriotic movies, and I'm all, all about trying to make a difference in the culture. Because, yeah. and I know, I've, I think you touch about that, uh, touch on that in the book. It's like, we have our heroes are all screwed up, you know, kids grow up like, oh, the Care Bears, we can't win unless we share and socialism's awesome and we have to be a team and like there's no individual rugged hero anymore. And I think that's that's to me, that's the American spirit. You know, John Wayne, the lone cowboy against all odds, you know, being uh, reliant, self-reliant. A hundred percent. You're you're right. I mean, and you're you are a part of the real front lines because we all know that politics is a lagging indicator. It's downstream from culture. Culture is far more important. So while we're writing, you know, white papers and think tanks in, in Washington, D.C. about, you know, Medicare policy, uh, they're out there making movies and songs and controlling social media and curriculum in schools. I mean, my, my God, open up a textbook of one of your kids. Uh, and then you wonder why we've gotten to a place where Bernie Sanders is hip. Uh, and yeah. Joe Biden is running to the left in, in a primary because not not a primary in a general because our, our I mean, Ronald Reagan said it and you know this and you say you share this through your comedy and through what you do. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And that sounds like a talking point, but it isn't. And when you look at education and culture, you start to realize we're raising kids who believe America is the bad guy in history and who don't have that view of rugged individualism and 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 view that rights are endowed by god and then we wonder you know why they're seduced by socialism why wouldn't you and they, they don't know history either so they yeah. would know that the nazis are, were socialists and and what the soviet all of those things stand for uh and then we're just rudderless 
Yeah, like literally, you, you tell people about Stalin starving millions of his own citizens to death. You tell them about what China did with their grand revolution, and they have like zero clue. Like you might as well be you might as well be talking about a science fiction book they haven't read because you can just see them glaze over. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Wait. Well, no. Don't take away my TikTok. No, not my TikTok. <laughs> what is the deal with TikTok? Everybody keeps asking me, and all I can say is like, there's some kind of embedded code where they're mining data, and they can they can do something nefarious. I'm sure you know more about this than well, I. You know, I mean, the, the the American part of TikTok can say is attempting to say, "Don't worry, we'll never share your data." Of course, all these social media apps have massive mountains of data about us. It's why when you go on Instagram. Uh, you know, ads pop up about things you were talking about yesterday. And you're like, how yeah. does it know? It, it, it knows. The nefarious part is that because TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, which is controlled by the state, there, there's a law in China. I mean, they, they can, Xi Jinping has, has pushed massive expansion of state powers. There's a law that if the Chinese government demands it, you must turn over user data of all of your people. So they might be able to say right now, don't worry, we're not giving it to the communist Chinese. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But if they wanted to, they could. And that's 100 million, 120 million Americans. And the surveillance case capabilities are massive. So the fact that the DOD is saying to employees, you can't use it, um, makes you know a ton of sense. A lot of these companies try to do it themselves, but their woke staffers are like, no, I want to make dance videos. Uh, I, I hope it's a moment to, you know, for parents to turn to kids and say, hey, here's why. The problem is a lot of parents are scared of their kids uh, and they're they're not going to explain that. So, yeah, it, it, it is a it is a not not a petty, but a small glimpse into the double standard that China's gotten away forever. Do you know how many American apps are allowed in China? Uh, I, zero. Zero. There's none. You can't wow. it's always let us into your economy to take and replicate and steal. But if you come to us, we steal everything from you. You play by our rules. We're in control. Eventually, that uh, cuts against us, and we're already seeing that. Yeah, and I don't know if there was anything more annoying, like being in the New York area and hearing about if you step outside, it's death. It's instant death. And the hospitals are overwhelmed, and nurses are working around the clock. You hear about all this horribleness, and then you go to TikTok and you see some chick on a gurney dancing down the hall with her girlfriends. You're like, get no. to work, lady. Get oh to work. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. and it's true. It's true. It is. So um, you have like you have a 30 second elevator pitch on like American Crusade. What's like when when you sit down to write a book like this? What is it that you really want to do? You want to say, hey, things are really bad, but we can fix it. And here's how we fix it. Or I, I don't it seems like you're like you're an optimistic guy. It's it's not a book where you're like, hey, it's game over. Let's all find another place to live. I am optimistic. But but, uh, Michael, two of the three scenarios in the book end up bad uh, for us. Like that's how bad it is where we are in our culture. I, I'll put it this way, a military analogy. There's something called the near ambush. A near ambush is the most dangerous thing you can be in. We train on it in the military. If you're in a near ambush, you're stuck in the kill zone. The enemy's right on top of you. They have the high ground. You're screwed. The, you're, you're dead. The only thing you can do is once you once you realize you're in a near ambush is pop a grenade, throw it, and then charge toward the enemy, right? Otherwise, you stay in that kill zone and you can't win. And wow. what, I think Donald, what I think Donald Trump represents 
is finally Republicans and patriots saying, you know what, we can't just kind of hide behind our vehicles and try to shoot back at the left as they crush us. We have to throw the grenades, charge the hill. And what happens when you charge is the only reason that's your only chance is if you're able to make it through or a few people are, the enemy has to expose itself from their concealed position, from the from the tall grass. Now you can see them and you know who they are. And I think Trump has been the guy lobbing those grenades saying it's time to charge. And when he does that from media to social media to the Democrats, they show us who they really are. They're socialists. The media is fake. It's all stacked. And so he's created a, an opening for patriots to, to expose that and try to fight back. And I, I think 2020, it will be a mass, it will be massively telling uh, whether we win or lose. It shows whether we can still win in the political quarter. But we have to use this moment to drive into the culture and drive into educational institutions. Otherwise, I mean, the left, it's depressing when you read the book and you realize how entrenched leftist ideology is across American culture. Uh, so I'm not pessimistic, but I'm realistic in the book that that we better seize on what Trump has done or, you know, republics only live on average between 225 and 275 years. Like we're right in the sweet spot of that and we're killing ourselves. Wow. You know, that is the best metaphor, the, the, the near ambush. That's the that's the best. Now I now I have to get the book. That's the best metaphor for where we are. And that's how I feel about it. I feel like there's like a little game that the Republicans and the Democrats have played for a very, very, very long time. And a lot of people got rich where you you put up like a, a fake fight. You kind of half fight. It's all for show. But then the, the Republicans always give a little ground. We always give a little ground. So, OK, so now you're a foot more to the left. Now you're another foot more to the left. And we've come we've come all the way left that we can. The next the next step is over the cliff. The next step is straight up socialism. So we're, we're there. It's it's the near end. Yeah. It's a much and better, people are going to steal that. You should steal it. A hundred percent. But what uh, you know, what what makes people point out and they're not wrong. Hey, people, don't be so obsessed about this moment. You know, you're, you're it's and I, I, I try to grapple with the idea of momentism that like we get stuck in our moment and think it's the worst. And people point out, hey, we fought a revolution. We fought a civil war, civil rights movement. I, I concede all of that. But but what's different about now is is the civil war was we were fighting to fulfill the promises of our founding, right, of equality, uh, uh, the, that, that, the civil rights movement, same thing. Martin Luther King is marching with a Bible in his hand, quoting the Declaration, saying, Here, here's why you know, we can do better as Americans. The, the left today is saying America is the enemy. Like our founders are, were nothing but racists. America was founded on nothing but slavery. Capitalism is evil. And when you're fighting a political opponent, who isn't just different in ideology, but believes the country you're in is bad. That's a whole different moment. Like we we weren't there on a large scale before. We are because of education and indoctrination today. So I, I think, you know, sometimes you can be too obsessed with your moment. I don't know that that's true right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Everybody, you wonderful listeners, you got to go pick up Pete's book. You got to get American Crusade, uh, Our Fight to Stay Free. Also, start a GoFundMe, everybody listening. Scrape all your money together, and we're going to all bid on an original copy of In the Arena <laughs> from 2016. Here's, I got one last question for you. When you get in the car or when you get 
where you, you've got to get to work, but you want to get in the right mindset. What do you jam out to? What do you, what song do you just hit play on? You're like, this is going to get me right. Oh my goodness. It, it, um, it rotates. I'll be honest. Okay. I'm usually yeah. allow myself to be a slave to the shuffle function on iTunes of the songs that I've downloaded, which, which, which is terrible because it runs you into like Christmas songs and I know. other things, you know, so then I, you're hitting I, skip, skip, skip. Then you're hitting skip, skip, skip. A lot of people do that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, recently it's been Kanye's God is King uh, ep- er, album, which I think is fantastic. My and... buddy played guitar on that. Really? Yeah. One of my cohorts on the fr- the Freedom to Laugh uh, comedy tour, my buddy Brian Hayner, played on a couple of those tracks. We couldn't tell anybody. And like I would I would be in the studio with you guys and talking about the Freedom to Laugh tour. And I know that my buddy is in the studio as we speak you know blah 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 he's putting down tracks he's working for kanye west and i'm like this is how cool we are this is how cool we are i'm funny my buddy plays guitar on kanye's album i've been jamming up i'm rediscovering the eagles of death metal dude you you gotta get some of that in the rotation you gotta eagles get of death metal not yeah. wasn't wasn't top of my list uh, oh but. they were the band that was playing in in paris when they were like when when ISIS came in and the dude started shooting the oh, joint wow. up, uh, but check out some Eagles of Death Metal. You will be surprised. Okay, all right, you got it. You got my word. And I will say, I'll say, Michael, I've, I've confessed this to you privately, but now I'll confess it publicly. I I've always wanted to try stand up comedy. I I don't think I would be good at it. I don't know that I have it, but I don't think hilarious. I can go. I don't think I can go to the grave until I try. You know what all you comedians describe when you walk up to the microphone and you realize people are there and your only job is to make them laugh, which I've never been good at. So I but I've always liked to think maybe I've got the opportunity. And then, you know, Jen, my wife or others will be like, whoa, whoa, bad idea. This is not going to go well for you. Dude, it's going to happen. This is going to happen. You got a little reprieve with the Rona. You got a little reprieve. There's not a lot of live dates. But I'm gonna make something happen. You you crushed it when you hosted the uh, the, the Fox Nation Awards thing. That's half the battle. Coming See, out there and not peeing your pants. That you is half that. the battle. But making people laugh when they're not expecting to laugh. That's a little that you know that's much easier than making people laugh when they're like, "What's this guy got?" You know, uh-huh. it's a whole nother dynamic. It's the worst. It's the worst. When 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 I'm about to go on stage and the guy introducing me goes, this is the funniest person you'll ever see. Oh he is God. hilarious. Then you can just feel the whole audience butts pucker and they get all mad and they're like, okay, prove it. Yeah, it's much better to be <laughs> funny. I won't set you up to, I'll give you a great introduction. You'll tell some heartwarming stories about uh, uh, growing up in, in Minnesota and sledding and cross-country skiing or whatever the hell you did up there. I don't even know what I did. It seems like a lifetime ago. All right, yeah. I'm, when when we when we do it, when the Rona is over and in person is real again, we I can't do it. You know, socially distanced. It's got to be the real thing. And, uh, I'm gonna and just know this. this. I will make fun of whatever you're wearing. Whatever you're wearing is gonna be because you like to bust my chops about that when I'm on the show. You're like, thanks True. for dressing up, all this stuff. So, listen, uh, I, I will get even. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's like it's always like, hey, Michael, is that your nicest jean jacket or is this dress up day? All right. Well, hey, get on the show. Hey. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Everybody, you got to pick up this book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. 
Pete, thanks a ton. Enjoy the rest of your day, brother. Thanks, brother. Likewise.